everybody listen to We're Not Wizards. Because we are the best. And we're not wizards. No matter what anybody says. Goodbye. Welcome to another episode of We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard. I'll be your host for April. Because we're not doing the year anymore. Because there's no point, it's April. And the reason it's April, you could say it's a kind of a fool's day. Um, But that wouldn't be the best way to call this day. Because in the beginning of April, um, there's going to be a game coming out. And it's not about, you know animals that are doing well it's about animals that are on the brink it's about animals that are potentially a little bit endangered so joining me to talk about endangered which is coming to kickstarter april 2nd is it's a man with magic in his hands i bring you mr joe hopkins care of the grand gamers guild Hello, Joe. Hello. How are you? I'm very good. I'm good. Good. I'm good. I'm good. Um, everybody's going to go magic in his hands. It's going to be like, what? He's got a wizard on the show. He's kind of got a wizard on the show, but we're going to kind of go into that in a little bit. Um, thanks for coming on. Um, I'm pretty sure that Mark Spector from the Grand Gamers Guild just basically didn't tell you anything <laughs> and didn't <laughs> warn you at all about what no, to expect. No. I, I'm just joining. It's it's have a good and thank you for having me. So you're very very welcome. You're very very welcome. Um, how you how you feeling at the moment? I mean, it is kind of pretty much you know this time, kind of almost like next week. It is next week. Yeah, I'm super excited. A little nervous, but yeah, I'm excited. Uh, Endangered is uh, is a game I've been working on for uh, about four years now. So. Wow. Uh, I'm happy it's finally coming to Kickstarter. Well, that's good. That's good. Um, for people who haven't listened before, um, thank you for listening, first of all. Uh, the reason that we do this is because I like doing it, you know, and as long as it's legal and as long as it's fun and as long as you enjoy doing it, you might as well continue doing it. And the second reason that we do this is because um, you might recall Mark Specter was on uh, he was on the show a while ago about the Artemis project and we had a conversation about that and um, and uh, he emailed me and said look I've still got those incriminating photographs of you so you've got to get Joe on the show <laughs> otherwise you know the whole wizard robe hat and wand pictures are just going to go public so when you're faced with that level of blackmail then your hands behind your back. You just have to get. Um, you just have to get somebody like Joe on the show. Um, that's none of that's true. I'd like to <laughs> just no, in case. No. I, don't at Mark over this because he will hate me. But um, um, 
we do want to find out a little bit. Obviously, we want to talk about endangered the game, but we want to find out a little bit about kind of like your good self, kind of like um, kind of how you got into the hobby, kind of in the first place. So, okay, I guess we're going to have a little look back at the kind of I guess the the wildlife of the past, the preservation of the present, and then I guess the rareness of the future. Sure. Um, so, do you want to tell us, if, you know, first of all, about how you got into the hobby to begin with? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I started designing games 10 years ago. Uh, I got a copy of Agricola and um, I really enjoyed playing it. And I was like, this, this is a lot of fun. I, I think I could make a game like this. So mm-hmm. um, I designed uh, games for seven years. And during that time, I, I was like, I don't want to do a, com- a cooperative game, though. So all I was doing was competitive because I knew cooperative games take a lot of balance and a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of numbers and so i was like i'm gonna focus on competitive and and then i finally after seven years i was like you know what i should just make a co-op and i made endangered it's a cooperative game and it's um got signed by grand gamers guild and so i should have made a co-op sooner <laughs> yeah what kind of games i mean what kind of games do you play yourself i mean have you got do you play quite regularly I mean, it's with you working on this game. Has, yeah. Have you still been able to play games kind of on a week-to-week basis? Oh, yeah. No, I, I play games all the time. Uh, yeah. uh, as a designer, you got to know what's out there. You got to know uh, what's what's current in the market and um, what's trending. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I really enjoy um, uh, European-style games. Uh, I like cooperative games, so it's okay. crazy that I didn't make one. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, I don't like take that games, um, that are, you know, screw your neighbor games. Yeah. 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 Okay. Is there anything you've been playing quite recently that you kind of, you've kind of been um, enjoying getting to the table? Well, my favorite game is Sentinels of the Multiverse, which is a cooperative superhero game where each player plays as a superhero and you fight yeah. the evil supervillain. So, um, that's my favorite game. Uh, been playing. Uh, a lot of small world recently with my oh, son, right, okay. seven yeah. year old. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, uh, have you, did you go for the big, huge? Because uh, Sentinels um, recently kind of finished. Well, I kind of, I guess yeah. they said they went on a big kind of. They're like the Rolling Stones. You know, they're saying like this is yeah. the big final last ever tour that we're ever going to do, and they kind of produced this huge monstrous box Correct. of cards. Yeah. Did you did you back it? I did back that. Yeah, it's the uh, Oblivion yeah. Uh, end yeah end game uh, version of the, their version of end game. So um, yeah, I backed it, and I, I even bought the the fifty dollar box. Like mm-hmm. um, you, the cards themselves, I think were like thirty forty bucks, but then you could spend uh, fifty US dollars to get just a box. It's just an empty box. You put all of your cards in. Um, there's like two thousand cards that they've released. So, did yep. you um, did you go all in then to take it? You must have. If you're a big fan, you would have yeah, just went right. I, I did take all my money. Yeah, <laughs> that was yeah. Race to be number one backer. Here, have all my, have all my cash. <laughs> Pretty much. Have, have yeah. you ever have you ever have you ever met the guys? Um, that kind of sent on the universe. Yep, I had them sign the box, my box of cards, and 
Uh, yeah, I met Chris Bedell, and he actually has played Endangered. Um, he, he gave me some good feedback on it. Yeah, no, it was great. It was like meeting celebrities. That is so cool. That is so cool. Because it's like kind of yes. – it must have been quite um, – I guess quite uh, kind of scary to say, you know, <clears throat> here's here's my game, uh, you know, here's my box. Could you sign it? And he's like, yeah. yeah. And it's like, yeah. okay. Well, in my other pocket, I've got nothing up this <laughs> sleeve, nothing up that sleeve, but here, kaching, look, I've got my own game. And he was he yeah. like saying, yeah, let's have a let's have a couple of rounds and see how it plays, kind of. Thing. He, he, they did, yeah, he did. So, uh, yeah, he gave me some good feedback on it. Um, uh. He, I, I have different roles in the game. Each player plays as a different conservationist. Um, but back then, all of them were the same. And he recommended, you know, you really need to give some personality and different feel to each of the players. And so, uh, it was a great suggestion. So, okay, cool. Um, what, what was the thing that kind of drove you to kind of develop games? I know you, you know, you mentioned about you know, cooperative and competitive games. But do you remember the point where you actually went from being somebody who liked to sit and play games and you went, actually, you know, where's my pen? Where's my white piece of paper? Oh, Let's yeah. get some stuff kind of written down. Do you remember kind of what kind of made you make that decision? Um, well, that that's something that uh, I've done. I've always done. Uh, any of my hobbies, I like to create. So, you know, when I was younger, I would I did a lot of reading and mm-hmm. uh, I, always, I always would read and read and read, but then I also liked to write or, mm-hmm. um, I, when I, I'm a magician and so I do a lot of magic. And so I kind of made my own magic tricks too. Uh, so it's this, so it's been the same thing all across, uh, my entire life that I started playing board games, really loved board games and was playing them and, you know, just was like, Hey, I, I really enjoy playing them. I'd like to make my own. So what you can't see just now is uh, Joseph's obviously mentioning about how much he's into magic and everything like that, and I've just got my head in my hands. I'm I'm sorry. Yeah, we weren't going to talk about that. We weren't. No, gonna we t- can't. <laughs> I think we have to. It's fine. You know, yep. at some point, I have to actually face my fears. And in all honesty, um, you're you're not that scary. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, not a wizard. I'm, you know, it's good. You're kind of like a magician. Kind of. How did you get into that? I mean, was that was that, were you the guy that kind of because I'm picturing it kind of like Christmas, nineteen ninety two or nineteen ninety three, right? That's around there, yeah. yeah. And you go downstairs, you unwrap, you unwrap the kind of the hunt, the big box, the cardboard box that's got like the hundred top tricks, and rather than do what maybe a lot of kids do, which is you muck around with kind of like the big spongy balls that you get and stuff like that. I can imagine you sitting down cross-legged on your bedroom floor, the instruction manual there, and you going through trick by trick by trick and actually kind of starting to to get your get your craft together. Is that is that a, that was is a that pretty a, good a pretty good <laughs> approximation? Yeah, I. Uh, I I bought a trick uh, just for fun and showed it to some friends. And I'm like, how'd you do that? And it, it was, I really liked that feeling. And so I got some more and just kept uh, kept buying magic tricks. So uh, and eventually started making my own and people were like, how do you do that? So um, yeah, no, it, uh, it wasn't something I was like actively looking for, but I, yeah. I found something that I loved. So 
Do you, I mean, obviously, are you, do you specialize in kind of like the close-up kind of magic stuff? Then? Yeah. Is that, is that yeah. in your bag? Yeah. Yeah, I don't have uh, like big giant tricks where you, you make elephants disappear. I don't have an elephant in my backyard. So, so yeah, I specialize in close-up stuff. What's that behind you? Um, yeah. I'm only joking. <laughs> yeah. So I left my, left uh, my so elephant. Tricks, yeah. yeah, card tricks, coin tricks, and um, stuff like that. So. Is there like, is there kind of like a similar, is the kind of the magic community, is it, I'm not talking about magic, the card game, because, you know, there's some places even I won't go. Sure. But, um, <laughs> in terms of the magic community, is it kind of an awful lot like the board game community that if you're standing from the kind of the outside, you've got very little access to actually kind of what goes on. But as soon as you're in there, you're you're aware of the kind of the massive kind of world because oh I, yeah I, you know? yeah absolutely uh you know we just like uh in the board game industry where hmm. you know we have we have deck builders and we have cooperative games and we have you know uh analysis paralysis we have our in in uh magicians we have hmm. our own jargon our own terms so you know like adult you do a double lift and everybody's yeah. supposed to know exactly what that means is that kind of cool? I mean, in terms of like inventing your own tricks, do you have to, I mean, is it kind of like, again, is it like you can't copyright mechanics? So you'll see people kind of, I guess, almost copying kind of magic mechanics when they're creating yeah. a trick. People will say, well, yeah. I've, used, I've used Valero's kind of double lift here. And if you look, I've, I've got the... I've got the bill here and I've subsectioned it and quartered it off and had the different numbers in the corner. So when I'm doing the trick, it looks like I'm multiplying up the note kind of thing. And and they say, oh, that's mm -hmm. great because he does it on this card. So you kind of copy. Because I just find, I find different hobbies fascinating, which is why I'm asking <laughs> you about it. So I'm just, you know. But no, I'm yeah, absolutely. There's, um, there's definitely a lot of things where people will use parts of uh, each other's tricks. Um, it's a, uh, uh, a little more, um, a little more antagonistic, a little more like, Hey, you can't steal my idea, mm -hmm. uh, versus the board game industry where, um, you know, we have, we have tons of different deck builders out there and we have t tons of different drafting games and no one really gets upset. Instead, people are like, well, I liked that game. Yeah. Are there more games out there like it that I can see? Um, it's, not quite the same because in magic community, if if I make an elephant disappear one way, the audience doesn't say, "Oh, I liked that." Are there other magicians that make elephants disappear different ways? <laughs> no. It's, yeah. Do you have Euro elephants disappear? Yeah, exactly. That looks like distinctly an Ameritrash way of disappearing an elephant. If you don't, mind. I, I would I would like to see an Ameritrash version bet, yeah. of that <laughs> disappearing. Is there is there therefore a kind of a monopoly version of a magic <laughs> trick. <laughs> monopoly version of an elephant disappearing. Um, or just a magic yeah. trick in general that people like, you know, because monopoly, people like go, oh yeah, like monopoly, because that's just like the worst. Well, is there the actual number, you know, is there a trick like that? Well, actually, there are a lot of classic tricks, like uh, tricks that have been done for a very long time. And uh -huh. people are like, oh, I've got my own twist on the linking rings or my own twist on cups and balls. Uh, which is which are two of the oldest tricks in the book, um, but uh, Monopoly is a game that's been played since you know the 1930s. Uh, so we have a lot more modern 
games these days, which most people consider better. Uh, it's yeah. the same in in the Magic community. Most people like the new stuff. Yeah. Did you? But do you have to kind of start off by learning the old stuff? You I mean, do, I can't. Yeah. I can't imagine a game. I mean, I guess in a game design sense. It wouldn't be the case that, you know, you'd say, well, well, how good a game designer is he? Well, you know, Jamie Stegmaier designed 15 Monopolies before he started doing his own games kind of thing. I take it that, you know, it's a slightly different... You, you wouldn't Absolutely. get the guy walking in, trailing the elephant behind him on his first day and going... No, no. <laughs> guys, certainly you know, not. Kind of, kind of like a craft. Um, has have the two disciplines kind of linked at all? I mean, does it help with you having to be, I guess with magic it is kind of practice, 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 which has yeah. patience involved in it. Have you found that you've helped kind of develop your patience knowing that results can maybe take a longer time in order to make them kind of perfect themselves? Yeah, with game design, you definitely need some patience. Uh, I'm, I've been working on Endangered for four years. Um, but, yeah, you, you play test it and test it and test it um, with your family um, until, you know, until it's good. So uh, I haven't really – they haven't really overlapped too much. Um, mm. I mean, uh, magic – like learning magic has definitely taught me how to cheat really well. But I don't <laughs> But I don't cheat when I play. If anybody's listening to this, I don't cheat when I play my – Games, Joseph so. definitely cheats when he plays. No. Definitely, no, no. so dude. Look at your little cheating face. <laughs> You're <All right>. a cheat. <laughs> um, well, Endangered is a cooperative game. If you want to cheat at a cooperative game, that's, and that's everybody your wins. Everybody that's wins. Your group's prerogative. Yeah. Um, the first idea that you had for Endangered. I mean, how much does it differ from? its current form. I mean, is yeah. it, if you completely kind of unrecognizable between the first idea and, and what um, you're bringing to it. It hasn't changed that much. There's so I, my, my first scenario I put together was the black rhino scenario. Um, mm -hmm. And that one is probably down the road as an expansion. So the, uh, the Kickstarter April 2nd is going to be for the tiger scenario. The tiger is in the sea otter. So definitely mm -hmm. the scenarios are all different. Um, but it's always had a worker placement feel to it. It's always had different scenarios. It's always had different conservationists. Um, so it hasn't changed drastically, but I've been, I, I've tested it many, many times tweaking this and that and the other thing. So, uh, one of the best things to do with a game when you're designing it is stop designing it and set it aside for a while. Um, and mm -hmm. then you come back to it later. And I've definitely done that. Um, uh, set you set it aside and then you come back to it and that thing that you're like it has to have this uh, you're like well you come back to it a month later you're like well why does it have to have that and then yeah. you fix that so you got to have confidence to kind of be able to critique yourself oh yeah oh, your design. And, and, and do you do that through kind of like did you take did it become the case were you taking kind of like endangered along to groups and did it become, oh, we're bringing Endangered this week, and folk were like, oh, okay, okay, we'll play it. Or, I mean, did you have kind of like, because, I mean, it's important. I mean, I mean, let's face it, a lot of games that I play, I play maybe once or twice. I mean, there's exceptions that come out, mm -hmm. like, say, Root, for instance, you know, GKR Heavy Hitters. I've played a lot of Ashes. But 
a lot of the games that we that a lot of the games I know that a lot of people play, they're only playing like once or twice. Mm. So do you almost have to have like a set of people that you can depend on who are willing to set that time aside to help you kind of play test and and improve the game? Yeah, I've got a little bit of both. Um I have a playtest group that I regularly test with every month with a couple of mm. designers. Um and, but I have also played it with, you know, friends and family and uh, a lot of people at conventions. Um, so I often get people that are like, yeah, I want to play this again. So um, I've got over 100 games that I've recorded so far um, for it. So, so yeah, so we've played it many, many times. And uh, the game has a lot of replayability. Um, there's several different characters, each with different abilities that you can select at the start of the game. There's a couple of different scenarios with different difficulty levels. So um, when you have something like that, it's kind of like testing many games and like building many games at once. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. But, I, but I know where you're coming from. I've got a couple games on my shelf that I've played once and not yeah. gotten back to. Yeah. I was kind of, I think I was talking quite recently to, um, to someone about the kind of the value proposition of a board game. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of games I know people kind of <laughs> will invest quite heavily regarding Kickstarter. And then they'll play it, they'll get maybe a, f- they'll, they'll play it for a total of like four or five hours. So it's actually cost them about, you know, yeah. 20 bucks an hour, <laughs> you know, yeah. for what they've kind of played, kind of played so far. Um, with the game being about, you know, obviously about kind of like endangered species, how important was it for you to kind of get the feel in terms of the the pictures of the animals and the art and stuff like that? Did you try and have, did you oh, have yeah. that quite early doors or was that something that you had kind of like, you know, your kind of your standard kind of clip art, you know, here's a picture of a koala kind of thing or. Sure. So, uh, so for our final copy, uh, Beth Sobel and Ben Flores did the art and they did an amazing job. Um, the game is really beautiful. Um, yeah, we had it. We had a difficult time making sure that we we were able to find someone who was able to produce something that was fairly realistic, but not too realistic. We definitely don't want it to be cartoony. Um, and I think Beth Sobel and Ben Flores they did a great job. My prototype, uh, I didn't draw like stick figure animals or anything. I'm not an artist, so uh, for all of my prototypes, I just go on. Uh, Google and I just I just steal all the art. So I can just imagine what you want to save this tiger. It's like yes. I better let that one die to be honest. Yeah, it's just a stick figure. Yeah. No, I um I actually went and used like real pictures and just put them on my cards uh, and then printed them out. So um, for my prototype anyway. Let's talk about gameplay. Let's talk about the game. I mean, we've been talking about everything else. You know, twenty five minutes. In. <laughs> Is standard yeah. what I yes. do. Get round to it eventually. I'm sure that you want a break from explaining about the, the gameplay. Um, you're going to go through a lot of this over the next couple. No, but in, no, in all seriousness, I mean, um, <clears throat> do you want to tell us about kind of like the gameplay, how it plays, yeah. the me- you know, general mechanics behind kind of Endangered? Yeah, so um, Endangered is a dice placement game. Uh, and during the game, you're going to be placing your dice onto the cards in order to do lots of different actions, actions that allow you to um, the move, an- move the animals around and clean up the deforestation, uh, you collect some money, uh, give 
influence to the different ambassadors. In order to win the game, you have to influence the UN to pass a resolution to save that species. And so you're going to be giving influence to the different ambassadors through those actions. Uh, I said it was dice placement. So you roll your dice and then place them on the different actions. And in a normal worker placement game, if someone takes that action, that's it. No one else can take it. Yeah. Uh, and in this one, if someone has taken that action, you can also take that action, but your die has to roll higher than the dice used by your, your, your ally. So, uh, you can use the same action many different times as long as you uh, are going up in pips each time. So um, it's kind of a twist on a worker placement game. So I've not seen uh, that. Before. I've seen yeah. um, I've seen like a steampunk rally mm-hmm. where you're using like pips on the dice um, in order to um, to build your little engine so you can then buy other dice that you can then roll again and stuff like that as well. But I've not seen it used in a kind of a, a hierarchical sense where it's like, well, if you take a spot and you've got a six, then... Oh, yeah, you, you've blocked it. No one else can use that spot. That's pretty... That's kind of cool. Was that something you had in from the beginning or was it something that you kind of brought in slowly? Oh. No, that, that one uh, came from the publisher. Originally, it was um, I had just workers numbered one, two, and three, and mm-hmm. you just had to place your worker. Uh, and we ran into um, we ran into a couple of issues. So uh, where you know you could have an alpha player who's telling everybody you need to do this, this, and this, and they mm-hmm. can plan out three or four turns ahead of time. Uh, and the uh, so the publisher, Grand Gamers Guild, they they. They made Artemis Project, and that's a dice placement game, competitive. Yeah. And they said, well, what if Endangered was dice placement? And I was like, oh, that's a great idea. It actually fixes that, that situation because the alpha player can tell you what to do on your turn, but then they don't know what's going to happen next turn. So really, it becomes more of a discussion of, well, what should I do right now? What's what's my best option? And it really boils down to like three or four choices. So the alpha player's situation is a lot a, a lot less uh, severe in this case it ends up being more of a should i do one of these three or should i do this one so yeah yeah what was it like um handing over the game to like the grand gamers get i mean you know obviously you're kind of you know clutching it like that and you know take care of it (laughs) yeah no i i uh i've been um this will be my first uh game that's published and so um, I've talked to a lot of different publishers, um, but Grand Gamers Guild—they've been awesome. Uh, they're they're right near me, which has been helpful for like communication and stuff. But also, yeah. um, they've been really open to any kind of uh, development um, that I've offered. Um, so, and I found out that later that you know that's not always a normal game designer publisher relationship. A lot of publishers have their own developers. They take the game and they're like, all right, designer, you, you go do your thing. We're, we're going to work on this game now. And no, um, uh, Mark from grand gamers guild. He's, he's kept me in the loop on all of the process of things. And so, uh, I've done a lot of the development work myself, actually. So So it's going to hand the challenge back to you. It's like, we, it's kind of challenging you on the design decisions that you originally made and said, okay, if you had to do it a different way, how would you do it? And kind of giving you again, a bit of a pushback. I, in this situation, I guess it 
kind of brings back a little bit of the extra kind of excitement again. If all of a sudden something kind of ding, and you go, oh, yeah. I, can, I can do this, 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 and this kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, they 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 said, "Why don't you do dice placement?" I was like, "Oh, that's a great idea. We're going to do that." So, yeah, no, that's it's been good. Um, how long does it take to play a game? I mean, how many rounds have you got? How many sessions and stuff sure. like that have you got? Um, the number of rounds depends on the number of players. Um, and so uh, with uh, fewer players, you play more rounds. And so with with more players, you play fewer rounds. So the gameplay ends up being about the same regardless of the player count. Uh, so you end up playing for about 60 minutes, mm-hmm. somewhere between 60 to 90 minutes. So um, uh, when I first started designing, I, I designed like big, huge games and they took like three hours and uh, it was it was impossible to get anyone to sit down and play. So uh, yeah. the development cycle was very slow with, with that size of a game. Um, and then I started to you know, designing games that only took an hour and it's much easier to convince people to sit and play it. So it ramps the design process up quite a bit. You got quite a few games kind of sitting in the background. I mean, is there like a yeah. folder, a folder behind you that's kind of got plan is I know there's not a folder behind you. It's a you yeah, know, no. it's an yeah. I've got um yeah, I've got uh several different games that I've been working on. Um actually I have one game that's I have another game that's um signed with another publisher. Uh, so that's going to be coming out later this year. It's called Pew 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 Pew. So <laughs> that's going to be through Academy Games. And what's that? Uh, it's a dexterity flicking game. So it's very different from Endangered. Uh, you you move your little guys around collecting weapons and shooting each other. So we have a couple of different modes. We've got a. It's mostly competitive, but we've got a cooperative mode. We've got um, King of the Hill mode and all kinds of stuff. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, color, color me interested over the um, dexterity. <laughs> yeah. so, um, I must admit, I am terrible at dexterity games. I am absolutely yeah. dreadful. Um, in fact, if you ever are looking to play a dexterity game with someone, then you should definitely play a dexterity game with me because I am just, I'm just awful. However, yeah. <clears throat> I do like flicking no fingers. And just you know, playing, you know, so it's, it's, I'll be interested to see. Um, is that in terms of getting the games out there? Then I mean, you've obviously gone one publisher, you got an academy, mm-hmm. guild. Was that the plan? I mean, did you look at kind of like Kickstarter and go, uh, no, <laughs> I'm going to go somewhere else. No, so I've always, I've been designing for 10 years and I've always said, um, I don't want to self-publish for my mm-hmm. first game. Um, I, I, I know there's things that I don't know. And so I've learned quite a lot going through these two publishers about, you know, working with artists and the printing and the distribution process. And so maybe down the road, I might do self-publishing, but, um, no, I, I've said for my first game, I know it's going to be a ton of work, and I know yeah. there's things that I don't know. So, so yeah. it's been helpful going through a publisher. It's been great, both both yeah. of them. Been good. Well, I guess the other thing is as well is um, you're going to Kickstarter for the first time. Otherwise, yeah. At least otherwise, if you're if you're going to be if Grand Gamers Guild are going to be putting this under their banner, mm-hmm. it means that the first thing they do. Is it going to send a message to everybody who backed the Artemis project and says, "Hey guys, here's our, here's our new, here's our new project for you." 
kind of thing. And I um I see that I see that an awful lot more. I see I see I see a lot of um first time self-publishing guys struggle in the kind of the Kickstarter kind of ecosystem now. And I have seen a lot of guys kind of hitching on to, you know, well, again, obviously Grand Gamers Girl, but I mean, I mentioned Alley Cat Games a lot. That seems to be kind of their publishing kind of model is that they now seem to have a lot of, they're bringing in a lot of designers and just, you know, developing their games further and then kind of putting them out through the kind of the the Kickstarter kind of platform, which is, which is kind of cool. Um, have you? I was going to say you probably have though. Have you thought about prices for you know what the pledge levels are going to be? I mean, what's the price of entry? To, yeah, to so the- endangered is going to be sixty dollars. Um, it's about the same price, uh, sixty US dollars. Be about the same price as their previous game, uh, Artemis Project. Um, uh, yeah, they did a really good job with that previous game. They yeah. made it look beautiful. The components are awesome. So um, it's a it's a little more expensive than some of the games that are out there, but uh, there's a lot of content in Endangered, um, and they're looking at a lot and making sure that the components are really nice. So, yeah. How big is the box? Is it this big or is it this big? Um, it's probably the first one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, was like it was like uh 12 inches by 12 inches yeah oh, okay okay yeah. you just, <laughs> just realize it's like there's no point in me saying that because nobody can see nobody can see <laughs> how big you're holding the, holding the hands apart here. it's the secret between you and me how big your game box is gonna be yeah so it's kind of like standard kind of calax yeah calax thing other shelving units are available um <clears throat> that's kind of cool i take it as a like, I mean, how many dice are you going to get in the game? Let's see, 15, uh, 17 dice. Um, and each player gets their own three dice. And there's a couple other dice for like uh, offspring if you get babies. And um, so 17 dice. Uh, there we have a one of the stretch goals is for a, a another um, conservationist. So um, if we hit that stretch goal, it'll be three more. So we'll get up to 20. So. Quite it's a few. Cool. Yeah. cool. Have you? I mean, have you? Did you have a discussion about the actual funding goal as well? I mean, is it a quite a reasonable size kind of funding goal considering you've got kind of like dice in there? Or yeah, our our, our base funding goal is thirty thousand um, dollars. Mm-hmm. We've got eight or nine stretch goals. Um, no, that's another reason that going through a publisher that has Kickstarter experience has been great. Um, he was able to look at it and say. All right, well, here's how much it's going to cost to produce. Here's how much to make sure, you know, uh, that we're going to not lose money on this. Um, $30,000 is is our is our goal. And I was like, that sounds good. I, I learned something. <laughs> exactly. So it's fair enough. Here, let me write that down. 30, yeah. Kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, has it made you kind of, um, in terms of kind of like going forward, are you, are you likely to kind of stay, it sounds like you've had a really, really positive experience dealing with Mark anyway. Absolutely. So is that kind of is that kind of made you think, well, actually, um, I'm going to pass my games to them first, give them kind of first look before? Yeah. Or- I mean, uh, every publisher it has you know their own line, their own uh, niche in the market. And so uh, 
I did not show my dexterity game to him first. Um, he doesn't have a dexterity game yet, and I'm uh, I'm not sure that he's looking for it. But if you're if you're a designer and you're you know trying to figure out which publishers that you want to talk to, it's important that you ask them you know what kind of games are you looking for, uh, and make sure you look at what kind of games they have in their line. Uh, but yeah, as far as like uh, other games that I have, I've shown a few of them to Mark. Um, uh, we have um, plans for several different expansions for Endangered. So, yeah, it's it's been great having that relationship and being able to you know, talk about the future, talk about games that uh, we could do down the road. So, Would you cross over and do a kind of a magic board game? <laughs> uh, I thought about it. About kind of no, elements. Yeah, I've thought about it, and and what I always what it always boils down to is I'm like, well, you're just doing magic. You're just who's best at tricking the other player. Who's best at, uh, but there, who's best at, well, I guess lying and cheating. So <laughs> that's all I'm doing. Doing magic. I'm just heard it here first. Anyone involved in magic is a liar and a cheat. <laughs> um. I mean, th- it sounds like things are going to go well. The, the as we say, the campaign starts April second, mm-hmm. um, and runs. Is it a twenty-eight day campaign? How do you uh, know how long? Through April twenty-sixth. All right, twenty-four days. Roughly about twenty-four days. That's yeah. kind of cool. That's kind of cool. Um, if I mean, obviously, what we'll do is we will um, at the time we will make sure that the link to the Kickstarter campaign is, you know, in the show notes so that people can find it. But if people are interested in um, keeping an eye on your good self, where do you exist on the internet webs? Sure. Uh, I'm on uh, Twitter at Average Joe Games. That's A-V-E-J-O-E-G-A-M-E-S. You can also find me on Board Game Geek. I'm Joe Magic Man on Board Game Geek. Um, So, yeah. So uh, I'd love to talk about Endangered or talk about game design or magic any whatever you want to talk about is fine have you got um have you kind of got other podcasts and stuff like that lined up then i mean are you are you kind of like doing the kind of the the bradley cooper kind of a star is born kind of tour and the media the media outlets kind of thing yeah i've talked to a couple of different podcasts so far um talked to uh inquisitive meeple and playability is it kind of strange actually having to get out there as a kind of, I kind of probably somebody who's like quite happy to kind of, I, I know you do the kind of the face up, face to face kind of magic, close up magic kind of thing. But is it kind of a bit different actually having to go out there and kind of like, I've got to promote my game and talk about, you know, designing and answer all the questions kind of thing? Yeah, no, it's different, but I, I enjoy it. I, I enjoy talking about it and I enjoy, uh, uh, being in front of an audience, so it's good. And if people want to catch your shows, your a ticket. Do you do kind of like do you do shows in the local area? I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I do birthday parties and stuff. Yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> that's kind of cool. You know, and okay. And what's your what's your have you what's your is it what's your magic man kind of title? What's your magician's title? Joe Magic Man. Magic. I am Joe. Yeah, yeah you magic, man. That's fantastic. He did, you know, in all fairness, Joe did a trick earlier on, and it was pretty cool. Yeah. He did a trick. It was pretty cool. Um, 
what we'll do is we'll put the links in the show notes so we've got notes to show. Um, if you want to keep an eye on what we're up to, and we appreciate every single person who listens for whatever reason, thank you very, very much. Um, it's all thanks to um, people people who support us and who listen and who spread the word. Um, you can find us on Twitter at We're Not Wizards. You can find us on Facebook at We're Not Wizards. You can find us on our website, which is we're not wizards.com. You can read reviews and previews and general silly rants on our blog, which is we're not wizards.blogspot.com. We've got YouTube because we do videos because I don't know, because we're daft. Um, but you can also catch us on all the podcast catchers, your Stitchers, your Spreakers, your Acasts, your Podknives, your Podbeans, anything with the word pod, anything with the word cast, you will find us there. If you want to chuck us a buck um, and help us keep the lights on, we've got our Patreon. If you like us, then please consider going to Apple Podcasts and dropping us a, a rating or a review or a subscription. Subscriptions are fantastic. If you're giving us a rating or review, don't give us 10 stars because it makes us big-headed. <laughs> but don't give us one star because it makes me cry. And not even magic from Joe himself could make this person a less ugly crier. Give us something in the middle, like a five, because it's average. And we're just a little bit average. But the person who's not been average tonight is the rather wonderful, the rather fantastic, the rather magical Mr. Joe Hopkins. Thank you very much for coming on, sir. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was fun. And uh, there's only two more things to do. The f- I can't even ask this question. The first thing is to remember that we are many things, but we're not wizards. <laughs> are we wizards, Joe? No, we're not wizards. There you go, he's not a wizard. No. Astounding. And the second thing is to say goodbye. So it's a goodbye from Joe. Say goodbye, Joe. Goodbye. And it's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe. Roll sixes. And um, by the time you're listening to this, you should take a jump over to Kickstarter where you can roll some dice, um, bring in some legislation and save those animals that are all endangered but until the next time goodbye a wizard is never late Nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to.